0: Hello, active and inactive listeners, you monarchs here to behold this swelling scene. I'm Dobb, and this is the witty and ever irascible Madeline Waddle.
1: Hello! Tonight we're bringing you the second installment of Arden Radio Theatre's Scottish play, and get ready, cause it's a doozy.
0: And an interview with Agatha Valmont.
1: Welcome to the Horned Moon Presents on KMU 98.5. Meow. The cat. Providing you with up-to-the-minute arts coverage for the Arden County area.
0: Including the towns of Elsa, Noor, Verona, Padua, Milford Haven, and the unincorporated area of Rome.
1: Well, Dobb, here we are back again for another episode. More of the Scottish play, plus Agatha Velmont
0: last week's episode was really fantastic and i am so excited that we're finally going to get lady m uh, on stage as it were what can our audience expect this week
1: all eyes are on her because almost everyone in the tri-state area was after this part Uh, but in my opinion based on rehearsals she is going to kill it and tonight is the monologue and let me tell you this raven is horse croaking about it
0: it has been a long time since agatha performed with art and so she's practically an unknown to some of our newer listeners they have no idea what to expect
1: i think they're going to be thrilled by the sort of energy she brings to the stage heartbreaking terrifying riveting you know dobbins this could be the closest we're going to get to having a celebrity on the show.
0: I had no idea you were so into Agatha.
1: She is the apex of human achievement. Did you know she raises her own organic vegetables? And she has chickens and immaculately manicured nails. She got them done especially for the show and they're like this purple velvety color and they have golden stars and moons on them. I mean... They're a work of art, and she has chickens, Dob, chickens!
0: Well, it sounds like you're going to have a lot to talk about this week during the interview.
1: I have a list. But first up, this week's art calendar. Once again, on Thursday, Claude Perkowski hosts his Night at the Studio. This week's session will be a retrospective of his award-winning work. Attendees will be allowed to offer questions and compliments to Perkowski, but the no-eye-contact rule remains in force. Cost for his special session is $150.
0: Saturday is a big night at the Athenian stalls. The Cattywampus Rumpus Room opens for local favorite Rosie. $10 cover, two drink minimum.
1: As an additional incentive, we should say, Dob, that the entire cast and crew of Mackers will be there to support Rosie, aka Mead Gander, aka Banquo, and of course the Cattywampus Rumpus Room, which has both Celia Tittle and Pete Neptune on the drums at various times.
0: Which one of them is drumming?
1: Pete, but I think Celia will also be on hand to lend her voice to everyone's favorite Cattywampus song, horizons remembered she actually wrote that song for crr did you know that
0: i did not know that
1: yep she's a rising star
0: yes she is
1: well that's it for this week's calendar but i understand dob you have some exciting arts news hot off the presses
0: i do uh last week we uh mentioned in the arts calendar that lucretia page was bringing back the seventh sense storytellers this past saturday the group usually disbands for lack of attendance, but this time, apparently, they were very well attended.
1: Awesome. I'd love to hear that another arts group is succeeding. We're becoming a culture capital.
0: Well, all was not what it seemed. Uh, this story is so bonkers, so sensational, I'm going to have to read it about it direct from the Arden courier Gazette. So this is as reported. No elaboration.
1: My interest is PK'd. peaked. Peaked. Well, not yet, but if this is interesting enough, yeah, it might peak. Well, come on, read it already.
0: Headline. Local medium and CPA receives dire warning.
1: Now that is a headline.
0: It is a headline. Lucretia Page is accustomed to dealing with spirits. Not only has she been a psychic and spiritualist for the last 10 years, but she also worked as a bartender while putting herself through college. Nothing had prepared her, however, for the spirits she encountered this weekend during the Seventh Sense Story Guild. The guild meets telepathically to tell stories intended to provide what Paige calls narrative healing. At the last meeting, however, Paige was shocked to find not only the usual Human Guild members in attendance, but instead three unknown and undead spirits who simply gave her a warning. Something wicked this way comes.
1: Interest absolutely peaked.
0: Page suggested that perhaps they were referring to the low-pressure weather system expected to hit Arden County this week, but the obvious conclusion for many is that Arden Radio Theater production of Macbeth is running afoul of our spiritual neighbors. The play has a history of being cursed, and our local thespians may be about to learn how true those rumors are.
1: First off, Dob, you know how I feel about you saying the title of the play in studio.
0: I'm literally reading a quote, what do you want me to do?
1: I want you to start taking this seriously, or else we're gonna start having mysterious fires and dangerous accidents. So I also want you, since you said it, to go out and run and spit and curse.
0: I'm not going to do that. Are you going to make our guests do
1: that? I have not decided yet. I'll take it on a case-by-case basis.
0: You're really going to tell Agatha Valmont that she has to run around the studio, spit,
1: and curse? If Agatha says it, I will assume it is a conscious decision on her part, and that she has taken some kind of precaution. She's not an idiot, but you're just careless.
0: I'm careless because I don't care. You care. What do you think about this message?
1: It's a warning.
0: That something wicked is coming?
1: Obviously, we should all be on our guard.
0: Well, maybe we shouldn't even do this play if it's so cursed.
1: Nonsense, I'm having a lovely time.
0: All right, folks, grab your horseshoes, garlic, and rabbit's feet, and here we go for the next installment of Macbeth, Beth Burns, The Host.
2: Arden Radio Theater presents Macbeth, Part Two, The Host. The king and his loyal thanes process towards Inverness in the pomp and glory of battles won. Ahead of them, brave Macbeth lashes his horse and urges speed, eager to see his lady in person. His messenger has already brought her his tidings in a hastily scrawled letter that she reads and reads again, clutching it to her heart and eating his words with ravenous and ambitious
3: eyes.
4: They met me in the day of success, and I have learned by the perfect report that they, they have, have more, more in, in them, them than, than mortal,
3: mortal knowledge. knowledge. When I burned in desire to question them further, they made themselves into air, into which they vanished. Whilst I stood wrapped in the wonder of it came missives from the king, who all hailed me, Thane of Cawdor, by which title, before, these weird sisters saluted me and referred me to the coming on of time with hail, king that shalt be. This have I thought good to deliver thee, my dearest partner of greatness, that thou mightst not lose the dues of rejoicing by being ignorant of what greatness is promised thee. Lay it to thy heart and farewell. Gloms thou art, And Cawdor, and shalt be what thou art promised. Yet I do fear thy nature. It is too full of the milk of human kindness To catch the nearest way. Thou wouldst be great. Art not without ambition, But without the illness should attend it. What thou wouldst highly, that wouldst thou holily. Wouldst not play false, and yet wouldst wrongly win. Thou'st have, great gloms, that which cries, Thus thou must do, if thou have it, and that which rather thou dost fear to do, than wishest should be undone. Hie thee hither, that I may pour my spirits in thine ear, and chastise with the valor of my tongue all that impedes thee from the golden round which fate and metaphysical aid doth seem to have thee crowned withal. What is your tidings?
4: The king comes here tonight.
3: Thou art mad to say it! Um, is not thy master with him? Who, wert so, would have informed for preparation?
4: So please you, it is true. Our thane is coming.
3: The raven himself is hoarse that croaks the fatal entrance of Duncan under my battlements. Come, you spirits that tend on mortal thoughts, unsex me here, and fill me from the crown to the toe, top full of direst cruelty. Make thick my blood. Stop up the access and passage to remorse that no compunctious visitings of nature shake my felt purpose, nor keep peace between the effect and it. Come to my woman's breasts and take my milk for gall, you murdering ministers, wherever in your sightless substances you wait on nature's mischief. Come, thick night, and pall thee in the dunnest smoke of hell, that my keen knife see not the wound it makes, nor heaven peep through the blanket of the dark, to cry, hold, hold. Great gloms, worthy Cawdor, greater than both by the all hail hereafter. Thy letters have transported me beyond this ignorant presence, and I feel now the future in the instant.
4: My dearest love, Duncan comes here tonight.
3: And when goes hence?
4: Tomorrow, as he purposes.
3: Oh, never shall sun that morrow see. Your face, my thane, is as a book where men may read strange matters. To beguile the time, look like the time. Bear welcome in your eye, your hand, your tongue— Look like the innocent flower, but be the serpent under it. He that's coming must be provided for, and you shall put this night's great business into my dispatch, which shall to all our nights and days to come give solely sovereign sway and masterdom.
4: We will speak further.
3: Only look up clear. To alter favor ever is to fear. Leave all the rest to me.
2: At last good King Duncan arrives at Inverness. At his shoulder, gray of eye and keen of judgment, his son, Prince Malcolm, and in their train all the loyal lords of Scotland. Lion-hearted Banquo. Wide-eyed Lennox.
4: Macduff the Bold. The hardened soldier Angus. And that courtier of courtiers who flatters none and is beloved by all, Ross.
2: Rightly their penance fly in the sun, and the distant sound of storm and disquieted birds are hardly heard, barely felt, and not at all marked.
4: This castle hath a pleasant
0: seat. The air nimbly and sweetly recommends itself unto our gentle senses. See, see, our honored hostess. The love that follows us sometime is our trouble, which still we thank is love. Herein I teach you how you shall bid God yield us for your pains and thank us for your trouble.
3: All our service, in every point twice done, and then done double, were poor and single business to contend against those honours deep and broad wherewith your majesty loads our house. For those of old, and the late dignities heaped up to them, we rest your hermits.
0: Give me your hand. Conduct me to mine host. We love him highly, and shall continue our graces towards him. By your leave, hostess.
2: Good King Duncan follows Lady Macbeth further into the belly of her castle. In the evening, Macbeth and his gracious lady host the king and his lords at their table, where servants bring forth platters of roasted meats, delicate custards, and flagons of wine and mead. Brave Macbeth does not participate in the general carouse, and when health is drunk to him, his guests find he has gone. Retired to his own chambers, and his own whirling thoughts.
4: If it were done when 'tis done, then t'were well it were done quickly. If the assassination could trammel up the consequence, and catch with his surcease success, that but this blow might be the be-all and the end-all here. But here, upon this bench and school of time, we'd jump the life to come. But in these cases, we still have judgment here that we but teach bloody instructions which, being taught, return to plague the inventor. This even-handed justice commends the ingredients of our poisoned chalice to our own lips. He's here in double trust, first as I am his kinsman and his subject, strong both against the deed. then as his host, who should against his murder shut the door, not bear the knife himself. Besides, this Duncan hath borne his faculties so meek, hath been so clear in his great office, that his virtues will plead like angels, trumpet-tongued against the deep damnation of his taking off, and pity like a naked newborn babe striding the blast, or heaven's cherubin, horsed, upon the slightest couriers of the air shall blow the horrid deed in every eye that tears shall drown the wind. I have no spur to prick the sides of my intent, but only bolting ambition which o'erleaps itself and falls on the other. How now? What news?
3: He has almost supped. Why have you left the chamber?
4: Hath he asked for me?
3: Know you not, he has.
4: We will proceed no further in this business. He hath honored me of late, and I have bought golden opinions from all sorts of people, which would be worn now in their newest gloss, not cast aside so soon. Was the hope drunk wherein you dressed yourself? Hath it slept
3: since, and wakes it now to look so green and pale at what it did so freely? From this time such I account thy love. Art thou afeard to be the same in thine own act and valour, As thou art in desire? Wouldst thou have that which thou esteemst the ornament of life, And live a coward in thine own esteem, Letting, I dare not, wait upon, I would, Like a poor cat in the adage?
4: Prithee peace, I dare do all that may become a man, Who dares do more is none. What
3: beast was then that made you break this enterprise to me? When you durst do it, then you were a man, and to be more than what you were, you would be so much more the man. Nor time nor place did then adhere, and yet you would make both. They have made themselves, and that their fit now does unmake you? I have given suck, and know how tender tis to love the babe that milks me, I would, while it was smiling in my face, have plucked my nipple from his boneless gums and dashed the brains out, had I so sworn, as you have done, to this.
4: If we should fail.
3: We fail? But screw your courage to the sticking place, and will not fail. When Duncan is asleep, whereto the rather his day's hard journey soundly invite him, his two chamberlains, will I, with wine and wassail, so convinced that memory the warder of the brain shall be a fume, and the receipt of reason a limbeck only. When in swinish sleep their drenched natures lie as in a death, what cannot you and I perform upon the unguarded Duncan? What not put upon his spongy officers who shall bear the guilt of our great quell?
4: BRING FORTH, MEN, CHILDREN ONLY, for thy undaunted mettle should compose nothing but males. Will it not be received when we have marked with bloody those sleepy two of his own chamber and used their very daggers that they have done it? Who dares
3: receive it other, as we shall make our griefs and clamor roar upon his death?
4: I am settled and bend up each corporal agent to this terrible feat. Away and mock the time with fairest show. False face must hide what the false heart doth know.
2: And so an unquiet night falls. The heavens, troubled with these plottings, entomb the face of the earth with darkness, strangling traveling lamps and dimming the stars. What dark deeds may such a night bring? Tune in next week when the porter says,
4: Knock, knock.
0: Thanks, folks, for joining us for that. The plot thickens, am I right?
1: Like a soup. Or gravy. And here's this week's line of the week. If it were done, when tis done, then twere well it were done quickly. Mention the line of the week at Polario's Pizza Pie for $5 off any brick oven pizza. And here is Agatha now. Hello, everyone. It is an ele- absolute pleasure, Ms. Belmolk.
0: Listeners will know Agatha not only as Lady Macbeth, but also as the owner of Valmont's Goats and Blooms.
1: And perpetual Arden County trendsetter, icon, goddess, ultimate life goal. Oh, Madeline, you're too much. (laughs) Well, you can never be too much when it comes to you, Aggie. Mm -hmm. I just want to get things started by addressing the elephant in the room. Agatha, if you listened to the earlier part of the program or read today's paper, you're aware that your dear friend Lucretia Page has made contact with some Mm. spirits who have somewhat threatened our production. Um, I'm just wondering if you have any concerns moving forward.
3: Hmm, Lucy, yes, she is quite a sensitive girl. Uh, Well, if she says she's contacted spirits, she has. Uh, you know, no doubt. Though I, I have every faith in her ability to dismiss those spirits or or bring them over to our side. I, I really do. She's a she's quite a talented girl.
1: And do you have any concerns about the general curse
3: that's associated with this play? Oh, is that a thing? Is this play cursed? I mean, only by the tittle-tattle of lesser actors, I guess. But that's a curse everywhere you go. (laughs) Are you referring to the
0: Tittle family as lesser actors?
3: Oh, no, no. Of course not. No pun intended. Not intended.
0: Absolutely not. Uh, Let me take us to the more um, corporeal elements of the production. Agatha, A.R.T. hasn't had you on air for quite a while now. So this is a triumphant return. Is returning to art like riding a bike? You never forget how?
3: Oh, well, uh, for lack of a better analogy, I suppose, yes. I am happy to be back. And I, you know, I really, I just felt like I needed to take a step back for a while. Um, But my dear friend Lucy, she did a reading for me, and and advised me that now was the time to come back. You know, I had taken time for me. I'd spent time on my farm with my beloved goats and chickens uh, and and it was very cleansing for me. And now I'm back having had a palate cleanser and I'm ready to go. So
1: then can we put to bed these rumors of some internal conflict between you and the board?
3: (laughs) Well, I hardly know the board, so I can't speak to how in conflict we've been.
0: For listeners unfamiliar with the structure of ART, it is headed by a board whose members choose to remain anonymous. This was a decision made, I believe, to avoid any appearance of favoritism and to t- limit temptation of bribery.
3: Yes, that was the original intention. that That's what I've heard as well. Uh, but who really knows the mysterious ways of the board? And, you know, certainly not me. Dob is on a bit of a personal mission
1: to discover the current members of the board. Who
3: are you?
0: (laughs) Bad things happen in the shadows. I think everything about art should be done in the daylight. That includes knowing who the board is.
3: I see. Well, I'm not so sure about that. I mean, dirty deals are being made all the time to keep this little program afloat. You know, ignorance perhaps is bliss. I knew it! Well, what would Art be without a little bit of conflict? You know, productive. It's very productive.
0: Setting aside the possibility that Art's board are reptilian vampires feeding off of the blood of Waddle and her associated friends for a moment, I want to dig... I think you're going too far, to That's a bit much. I want to really dig into the role. Lady M. A coveted role and perhaps an intimidating one. Agatha, how did you tackle this beast?
3: Well, I honestly, I feel like I've earned it. I've I've been ready for this part for quite some time. I mean, if she's not the pinnacle, she certainly is a pinnacle for a role for many, many actors. Uh, it's It's just an honor to take on her voice, truly. But how do you go about taking
1: on a voice that is so villainous in nature when you yourself are a kind, lovely individual with no
3: faults of any kind. <laughs> oh, Madeline, I'll give you an hour to stop doing that. <laughs> well, I, I mean, that's just human nature, isn't it? Even the best of us have that streak in them, you know? And and I think, I think she's really been backed into a corner. Uh, you know, she's... <sighs> I think she's been... She's been in the shadows, you know, standing in the shadow of a, of a mediocre man for quite a while. Uh, and, and she sees that it's her time to shine right now. You know, Duncan is just her, her opportunity to do that.
0: It's interesting, though, that you say she's behind the shadow of a mediocre man. And yet when you shoot your shot, it's still through him, you know?
3: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, that's a little bit of self-preservation, isn't it? You know, keep her hands clean for as long as she can, I suppose. Not very long.
0: So is that really the is that really the problem that her hands don't stay clean?
3: I mean, it is what drives her mad ultimately, isn't it?
0: Spoiler alert.
3: <laughs> can you speak to
0: the monologue we heard tonight before getting to the end of the play, in the moment when you are calling forth spirits? Is Lady M truly evoking the supernatural there?
3: I, you know, I'm not sure. I think, I think the intention is there. I think she very much wants to. Uh, does she have the training or the experience to actually do it? Does she has she studied with wise women in in the heaths of Scotland? I I'm not sure. Um, I I don't, I don't spend that much time on the backstory of a character, so I haven't. You know, it doesn't really matter all that much to me. I think the intent is there to conjure whether she has the skill or not. You know, I really, I really don't know.
0: So if you're uninterested in backstory, let me just go ahead and cross out my next question about how many children Lady Macbeth has.
3: Well, all I need to know is that she's at least had one because she talks about it. And that's all I need. I think it's
1: really interesting when we speak of the supernatural in this play, which it has not escaped my notice job you have named and you will be spitting and you will be cursing when this interview is over. (laughs) But it seems often that the women in this play, which shall go unnamed, are in control of those supernatural forces, whereas the men are tools of those forces or they're at the mercy of the spiritual. I'm just wondering, um, do you see any parallels between that paradigm in the play and in real life.
3: My goodness, that was uncharacteristically astute of you, Madeline. Um, Thank you. Oh, I absolutely feel like it mirrors real life. You know, every woman has that certain, can I say, yonic on the air? Can I? Every, wo- every woman has, has that yonic energy and power that just needs to be harnessed. Uh, And and I think that's what Shakespeare is tapping into as well. I think he surrounded himself by very powerful women uh, from time to time. And and he knew. He knew the power of the Yanni.
0: Do you feel like you're harnessing that power is the key to the character then?
3: In part. You know, I, I think it all goes back to the very real frustration of a woman forced to support a a mediocre man as i said before i mean that's that's really been my way in although i've never experienced that myself being a small business owner all on my own Uh, but i I think i can understand that frustration and the need to climb that ladder no matter what it takes or or who you have to drag along you know she sees an opportunity and she takes it which seems
1: to be a bit of a recurring pattern in your own life, if I may be so bold. Um, it seems like our listeners would really like to hear not just about Lady Him in this play, but about the very interesting real life of Agatha Valmont. You're out there every day living your best life, goats and flowers and chickens and organic things of all kind. Uh, what advice would you give to those aiming to tap
3: into their own real-life yonic energy? Well, first of all, it starts with insisting on being called your proper name, which is Valmont, not Valmont, Thank you. Um, but, but go after it. You know, don't wait for things to come to you. Take it. If you see something that you want, uh, it, go after it. And, you know, and someday you'll have your own version of a, a goat cheese regatta, which, which is happening later this month. Everyone's invited. Goat races, floral arrangements, seminars, and our annual signature regatta cocktail. I won't ruin the surprise, but I will say it features honey from our new Valmont hives.
0: You're, you're getting into the honey game? Giving Pete a run for his money?
3: Well, it was Pete who introduced me to the wonderful world of bees. So I'm, I'm doing my part to save them. And for now, it's only supplementary. No competition to Neptune's honey. <laughs> yet.
0: And what else does the future hold for Agatha Valmont? Angus Mobile, Thane of Lennox, actually brought up in our last episode the idea of you playing Lear to his Kent. Hmm.
3: Well, I mean, I do flatter myself. I I think I'm a bit young to play Lear. I still have much more to experience to give myself that gravitas. But if you insist, you know, it it would be an interesting challenge. You know, I could learn how to deepen my voice you know to really take it on that'd be fun i think you would be fabulous in it
0: (laughs) of course you do he also suggested that waddle here might make lear her directorial debut
3: oh my goodness my dear that's an awfully big load for a debut are you sure you're up to that I mean, for myself, I'm sure we could really do something under the right director with a clear vision. (laughs) It's an awfully large project. It
1: certainly wasn't my idea. I'm not really interested in directing at all. I'm definitely more of a follower than a leader, but obviously I can't think of a role I wouldn't cast you in, Ags. Yes. (laughs) Well, it's,
0: Time to wrap things up with a question from the bag of Shakespeare
1: questions. Waddle? All right. Let's see. What do we have today? All right. Today's question comes from two gentlemen of Verona. Wilt thou reach stars because they shine on thee? Wilt thou reach stars because they shine on thee? Agatha? Yes.
3: I mean, yes.
0: <laughs> Join us next week for the next installment of Mac... Barone. And an interview with our good King Duncan, Mr. Simon Tittle.
1: Until then, the show is our
0: show. And these dogs are my dogs. You need to bark here, Agatha.
3: Oh, of course. Uh, woof. We're Waddle.
0: And Dob. And this has been The Horned Moon Presents. If this podcast has offended, think but this, and all is mended. That this a work of fiction is nothing real but for coincidence. Our show is written by Merlin Cusell, who plays Waddle, and produced by me, Marshall B. Garrett, playing Dob. Agatha Valmont is played by Aubrey Whitlock, who you can hear every week on the Hurley Burley Shakespeare Show podcast. They just started their fourth season. J. Andrew Dickinson composed our theme, which was mixed by Eric Bostick. You can learn more about the show and the artists who make it at thehornedmoonpresents.com. Please take a moment to review our show on whatever podcast service you're using. So like, subscribe if we be friends.
2: Next time, the door to Hellgate opens.